the show, everybody. This is the Capital Street Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cotton. Riding solo today. Uh, Sean isn't able to make it. Um, him and I both are doing this sort of as a hobby, and uh, we don't like to share a lot about our personal lives, but Sean's a high school football coach, so he had practice um, today. I was uh, out of town this week for work, so we're getting this podcast out late. We apologize for that. Um, as time goes on, we're going to try to get better at regularly releasing episodes um, and making sure that we get the content out to you as soon as possible. So that's that. We've got a couple things to get to, but before we do, as always, uh, if you like the show, please rate and review us on any of the major podcast platforms. Every review helps us grow and create more content for you, the audience. So today we're going to do the preview of the Commanders-Eagles game. I'm going to give the thoughts on the matchup. I'm going to give what my keys to a Washington victory would be, a final score prediction, and then we'll wrap up the show with our straight cash homie segment where we give out self-described expert gambling picks, and that'll be it. So the game summary. The Commanders are playing the Eagles tomorrow, October 1st, at 1 p.m. at the link in Philly. The Eagles sit at first in the division, while the Commanders currently sit at third with a 2-1 record. The Eagles are, of course, undefeated at 3-0. The injury report for both opponents, Chris Rodriguez is out with an undisclosed illness. Percy Butler is questionable with a foot injury, though he was a full participant in practice on Friday, so I think he's going to play. We'll see. Others listed for the Commanders are Logan Thomas, Emmanuel Forbes, and Benjamin St. Juiced. However, all of them are full participants in practice for most of the week and on Friday. So their game statuses are unspecified, but I bet they play. That's good news for us. For the Eagles, the only real player listed as out. Sorry, there's two. Uh, Quez Watkins, the wide receiver, and Sidney Brown, the safety. Some of their key players are on the injury report, but looking at it, it looks like they're all full participants in practice. So. I expect the Eagles to come in this game healthy. So Sunday's game is going to be the 179th game held between the Eagles and the Commanders or the Washington football franchise. There's obviously a lot of rich history between these two teams with iconic games like the body bag game. Well, we all remember the Monday Night Massacre. Or how about the Sean Taylor game in 2005 where he leaped in the end zone to secure Washington's playoff spot. So yeah, a, a lot of great games played over the years, but Despite that, there's actually only one playoff game that's been played between these two teams. That game came in 1990 when the then Redskins beat the Eagles in the wildcard game. It, of course, resulted in the firing of Buddy Ryan the following day as the Eagles coach. Uh, I was reading an article earlier about this that came out a few years back, and apparently there was talk that the game was at at RFK after the Eagles bus had to take a detour throughout that neighborhood in that part of the city. And apparently, you know, fans were like raucous throwing things at the bus. It was an ugly scene just goes to show you how far things have fallen for us, you know, as sort of a fan base known as one of the, like, you know, more intense in the NFL. Of course, now that goes to Philly, but so, yeah, I just really found that interesting. My thoughts on the game, though, this is a crossroads game to me. Like last week, I wanted to say this game was a measuring stick, and I guess to a certain extent it is, because after an embarrassing blowout loss to Buffalo, 
it's important to see how the team and specifically Sam Howell responds. And I'm also interested in seeing really if last week was an outlier or if we're trending towards actually a bad team that we have. But in prepping for this episode and kind of pondering about what this game means, I see it as a crossroads. Let me explain that. I think this game is going to have a lot of indication and implications on the mindset of Ron Rivera and the organization's intentions for this season. For the first three weeks of the season, the commanders have seemed to take the approach of giving Howell as many chances as possible to show that he can be the guy, right? The quarterback of the future. They've done that by dropping him back excessively. And despite having a below average offensive line, excessive and exotic pressure looks from defenses and Sam's clear ability, I should say negative ability to hold on to the ball too long. It's been really clear to us as fans. I I think that although Sam's shown some flashes of really good play, the game plans and approach has produced more negative than positive. I think it's become clear to all of us watching that the offense's best approach to consistently moving the ball is giving Sam more of a game manager type of role as the quarterback, relying on running the ball with a big ball carry and Brian Robinson Jr., using quick and short read throws to take the pressure off the offensive line and Sam, and to really avoid the disastrous moments of the season we've seen thus far, I think Sam Howell will have to become a game manager and will have to get the ball into his playmaker's hands quickly. That's going to give, give the commanders the best chance to win, I think. So all that said, I, I, I think if the commanders come out Sunday and don't use that approach that I just said, they continue the offensive scheme they used in the first three weeks. To me, that signifies that the organization and the coaching staff is more concerned with finding out what Sam Howell is, finding out if he's the guy, accelerating his development and and just basically getting him to chuck the ball all over the park knowing into the offseason if if he's the guy or not. More of that long-term thinking approach. But if they take the other approach of making Hal more of a game manager, it probably means they're they're concerned with they're more concerned with winning games and making the playoffs. A short-term approach, if you will. Long term, I guess, for Ron as the coach or the GM or whatever, but short term with Sam. Now you might be thinking, and some would say, that those two things don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. Maybe the best of both worlds for now is to make Sam the game manager, play it safe. And if the team wins a few games and Hal and the offense starts to gain confidence, you're able to start chucking the ball around more to give Sam the opportunities to show what he can do in a pass heavy scheme. So you say that, and I hear you. And personally, I prefer that because I think if they, keep using this run and gun constant drop back offense, we're going to lose a lot of games. And not only that, Hal may get hurt. And if he gets hurt early and doesn't get to finish the season, that also, you know, might tell you that going into this off season, we don't know if he's the guy or not. And to me, that's the most important thing going into the off season. I want to know if Hal's the guy, but on the other hand of that, if the game manager approach can make the read on, on how this season harder, then I'm not sure I want to do it. So let me give you an example of that. The 49ers Brock Purdy. Purdy's in his second year now. His only loss as a starting quarterback came in that NFC championship game last year 
when he was hurt and barely played in that game against the Eagles. So he's won more games than he's lost. And the Niners have obviously been a contender. He's got a QBR rating of 107.1. Um, he's got really good stats, touchdowns, interception ratio. And yet, if you're a fan and you watch him, can you really definitively say he's a great quarterback? Or can you say he's just the byproduct of his supporting cast? I mean, the 49ers have probably a top three roster in the NFL. They have playmakers everywhere, man. In a scheme that's extremely quarterback friendly, by the way. We all know that the Kyle Shanahan tree offensive scheme relies on running the ball, using that play action off of the run. And it, it you know, over the years has seemed to be very quarterback friendly. I mean, look at Jimmy Garoppolo. He was there. He put up similar stats on that same team. And both guys are sort of asked to do more game managing than than to really put the team on their back. And it's worked. I mean, again, the 49ers have been a contender. They haven't won a Super Bowl, but they've been to one. They've been to a couple NFC championship games. And I think it only works if you're if your roster's loaded and the quarterback is on a rookie contract. But when it comes time to pay Purdy, as we know, quarterbacks are the most expensive position in football. So given that, can you really say he's going to be worth the money that a quarterback with that record and those stats will ask for? You know he's going to ask for, you know, that kind of contract that, you know, we've seen in like recent years. So so to me, I don't know if he's the guy. If I was a 49ers fan, I don't think I could definitively say that, that you know, he's definitely the guy. And, and I don't think most people know that either. So to take the approach of Hal as a game manager, it may give the team the best chance to win this year. It may allow them to sneak into the playoffs. And it may give Hal the best chance to have a better statistical year when it comes to turnovers and completion percentage. But it may also leave Josh Harris and whoever the GM is next year with the question, do we have the guy or do we need a quarterback? And maybe they don't want that as the priority right now for this team. So with all that said, I'm excited to watch tomorrow for short and long-term implications of this team and this season. I'm going to be rooting for them to win. I obviously want them to do well. I'm a fan. But I'm also anxious to get on here after the game and be able to talk about, you know, okay, now we know how the team is treating the rest of this year. So that brings me to the keys to victory. And really, last year's win over the Eagles was the blueprint. My keys to victory are, first of all, run the ball to protect, to protect Sam Howell. He's got 19 sacks so far this year. We've heard it this week from all the beat guys, right? That's on pace to break the record for most sacks in an NFL season set by David Carr, I believe it was, on those horrible Houston Texans teams. The offensive line stinks at pass pro. I think we all can see that. I know a lot of the sacks have been on Sam, but this offensive line has been bad too. And I think if you, you know, keep doing that pass heavy approach, um, Sam's going to try to do too much to try to make the play and it's going to create more turnovers for us so I think we need to run the ball to protect Sam Howell and by the way you've got Brian Robinson Jr. he's averaging 4.6 yards a carry this year he's having a good season and last week as you know Sean and I talked about he needed to get the ball more if if we ran the ball more last week we probably would have given ourselves a better chance the Eagles are first against the run right now statistically it's only been three games but they are their defense looks good but 
last year, if you recall, their defense was ranked fairly high as well going into that Monday night game. And we gashed them. We ran the ball like 50 times. I forget the exact yardage, but we ran the ball well. We controlled the clock. We kept their offense off the field. And I think we need to do that again this year. Run the ball excessively, run it to set up the pass for Sam and sort of take that pressure off of him. The other offensive key for me is RPOs and short passes. I don't think we've seen a lot of RPO yet in Eric Bieniemy's offense. Howell ran a ton of RPO in college. If you watched him at UNC, I mean, I don't have the numbers, but I'd say the majority of his offensive plays were off the RPO. RPO, for those that don't know, it's run pass option. Essentially, it's that read option type look where the quarterback has, you know, one or two reads and decides whether he needs to run the ball um, himself, hand it off to the quarterback or throw. There's not a lot of long progressions, which is why I think quarterbacks who run that in college don't get as much looks as they do um, going into the NFL because it's not a very complicated offensive system. But it's effective, and Hal did it well. He he did it really well his junior year, and and running that I think will keep the defenses you face guessing, in particular Philly. So on the flip side too, like if you look at Philly, that offense is really good, and Jalen Hurst has been really good, but they run a ton of RPO. It's why they're so difficult to stop. Defenses don't know how to, you know, what to really defend and what to prioritize. So they're able to move the ball. So if it's me, I I, want to see some RPO and some quick throws. And by the way, Sam's fast too. He's an athlete. He's elusive. Um, So, so maybe some designed RPO runs for him as well. uh, I think are probably going to bode well for us. So those are my offensive keys. Defensively, you got to stop the run. Basically the flip of what I just said for our offense. And that includes Jalen Hurts. The Eagles we've seen can beat you both ways on the ground or in the air. But I think they're more dangerous when they're running the ball well. DeAndre Swift, their running back that they acquired from the Lions this year, he's averaging this year close to seven yards a carry, 6.8. And I can guarantee you right now, if he averages anything close to that tomorrow, the commanders have no chance. So you've got to stop the run. You can't let Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift break off giant runs. So I think we really need to emphasize that. And when it comes to passing, Jalen Hurts hasn't really looked that great. He doesn't seem like the same quarterback he was last year. He's thrown some bad picks this year. He's got three picks so far. And if I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm going to say, okay, right now they seem to be moving the football most effectively with that RPO run first look. So I'm going to make Jalen Hurts try to beat me through the air. Um, Maybe he throws, you know, some forced looks. You can get a turnover on a short field. I, I, I think that's going to be one of the keys to victory. And then finally, my last key you have to take advantage of the big plays for and against the commanders, right? So as an example, it seemed like although we've got more turnovers or we're on pace for more than last year's defense, we've dropped some interceptions. Uh, We dropped one last week um, against Josh Allen. We dropped a couple in the opener, if I recall, and I think one extra one played Denver. So to me, I think to beat a team like Philly, who has a better roster, 
you've got to win the turnover battle. You've got to make the big plays. All the big plays have to break your way. Don't drop picks, and Philly probably needs to drop some of the picks on their end too. The offensive side of the ball too, if we're taking a deep shot, maybe Sam throws like a 50-50 ball to McLaurin. McLaurin's got to come down with it. I, I just think that big plays need to break our way. And speaking of big plays and specifically turnovers, please stop giving the ball to Antonio Gibson. I mean, it's been two fumbles so far this year. He's got 10 in his career. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know he's got a rank in the top 10 of current active running backs. He can't be trusted. Sean brought this up during the post game. This guy, everybody just like talks about how he's this great athlete. He can make the big play. And I guess he's got good combine numbers. He's had some good plays since he's been here, but if you really look at the overall picture, he's shown that he's going to turn the ball over way more frequently than the return on, you know, him making or, or creating a big play. So I don't trust him. I, I, I think if you keep giving him the ball right now, maybe it's a confidence thing or he's going to give the ball back. And if we have any big turnovers, it's, it's, a, it's going to spell a loss for us. And by the way, with Gibson too, when he fumbles, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. It seems like he he always fumbles in crucial times. Like it's never in the middle of the field, right? It's it's either early in drives when we're at our own 20 or late in drives when we're at the like opponent's 10-yard line. It just seems like every time he fumbles the ball, it is a momentum-shifting play, and I just – don't trust him. Don't want to see him with the ball. So Eric Bianami, if you're listening, please don't give the ball to Antonio Gibson. And then my final one is, is no big penalties and pass coverage. I said, and I think we need to emphasize stopping the run, but eventually the Eagles are going to take a shot. And, and I think that, you know, a drive killer is when we've got him in third and long and the defensive back, you know, holds or maybe, you know, just a little bit too early on trying to like break up a pass. I just think that that those type of plays are going to be deflating for the defense. So please no big penalties and pass coverage. So that brings me to my final score prediction. I'm going to give Sean's two because he was able to provide that to me. I've got it at Eagles 20, Commanders 14. The Eagles haven't put it together yet as a team. I think that's because so far this year, their first three games have kind of been like their preseason. But I still think that Washington, although they play well defensively and and better offensively, especially turnover-wise, the Eagles roster is better than ours, especially at the offensive line and then the quarterback position. So I think they win a close game over us. Um, I think we're going to be more encouraged than we were after the game last week. I mean, it's hard to, to you know, be worse than that. But I, I, I do think that the Eagles are just better. So I've got it. Eagles 20, Commanders 14. And then Sean, I imagine he's got similar contextual points but he has a philadelphia 30 washington 17 so that's our game predictions um we were both right in that we thought that the bills would win last week but we're wrong in the type of game so maybe we're wrong about who the victor will be this week we'll see so that brings us into our gambling segment of straight cash homie 
That's where we give you picks and you make. Great cash, homie. So last week, I'm not going to go over the picks we gave out, but I will go over the record because we're telling it. I went one, three, and one. I had a push on the Rams game. Uh, Sean went four and one. Big money for him. So, you know, so far he's in the lead. And if you don't trust my picks, then fade him. And if you trust Sean's, pick his, and maybe you'll make a lot of money. So that brings me into my picks this week. I'll go first with mine. I've got Cincinnati minus two and a half over Tennessee. It's a short line. It, it's kind of fluctuated between, you know, minus three, minus two and a half. But I just think that the Bengals are, are I've talked about them. They haven't really played that well, but I don't think Tennessee is very good. I think that the Bengals offense, they've got too many playmakers. They've got Joe Burrow. He's a top five quarterback, as we all know. I just think they're better than Tennessee. I see them beating them by more than a touchdown. So take the Bengals minus the two and a half. Next, I might just be picking whoever plays the Bears each week because I think they're the worst team in the NFL. So I'm, I'm taking Denver minus three and a half over the Bears. I know that Denver got embarrassed last week by Miami. My God, they they <laughs> I don't know if 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 you'll ever see a defense in the modern day NFL give up 70 points like that again. Uh, it, it just, it was ugly. However, the bears are a dumpster fire. I bet you, you know, that, that coach is probably the favorite now, Matt Eberflus to be fired first. It's either him or Josh McDaniels. And I just think that Denver beats them handily. Sean Payton, is a good coach and I like them to bounce back. So take Denver minus the three and a half. And then finally, I like Buffalo minus the two and a half over Miami. This is one of those contrarian. If you listen to Kevin Sheehan, you would call this a smell test pick. Miami put up 70 points last week. Their offense looks unstoppable. They look like, if not the best, one of the best teams in the NFL. And yet Buffalo's favored over them. I don't know why that is. Vegas thinks they know something. The public seems to be backing Miami. So we're going to take Buffalo minus the two and a half. So those are my spread picks. Sean's, he's got uh, Minnesota minus the four and a half over Carolina. I'm not going to speak for him, but Carolina looks terrible. And, you know, the Vikings are, are a very high powered offense. So he's got Minnesota minus the four and a half. Like me, he's got the Bills minus the two and a half over Miami. And then he's got the Steelers minus the three over Houston. Our prop bets, I took Kenneth Walker over 65 and a half rushing yards. You can get that at minus 115 at most of the major sports books. Kenneth Walker is a good back. He's starting to play well. I think the Seahawks are starting to realize that their best chance at winning is running the ball first. They've got the Giants this week and the Giants, I I don't they have not shown me that they can consistently stop the run. We saw, you know, from last year, they blitz a lot, they bring a lot of pressure, they've got good pass rushers, but they seem to have problems with stopping the run. So I'm gonna take Kenneth Walker at over 65 and a half rush yards. And then Sean's he texted me. It was DeAndre Smith. I think he meant DeAndre Swift. So I, I, I wrote that down. He's got anytime touchdown at plus 110. He put down plus 130. So 
Maybe he meant Devontae Smith. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, look at both and and see if either the numbers are at 130. But I'm going to give it out on this podcast as DeAndre Swift, anytime touchdown at plus 110. So those are our prop bets. And then my lock, Sean didn't give me one, but I'll give you mine. I've got Baltimore plus the one and a half against the Browns. Deshaun Watson's on the injury report. He apparently has a banged up shoulder. The line seems short. Baltimore is, is I think, undefeated, and they are a better team than the Browns. I just think that they're going to win this game. So take Baltimore plus the one and a half. So that's going to do it for us for the Straight Cash Homie segment. And as always, we give you the picks and you make. Straight Cash Homie. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Capital Street Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining. Again, we apologize for um, the late release of this episode. Join us tomorrow after the game where Sean will be back and we'll both be on to discuss the game, cover the things that we liked and things we didn't, you know, just basically go over what we saw. So as always, we appreciate the support. We look forward to seeing you guys again and take care. (laughs) 